This is the Jesus Habit Podcast, where we're using scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. Episode 25, The Enemy and His Tactics, for Sunday, October 6, 2019. Hey, it's week five. We're on week five. It's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? We're, we're already in our fifth week. It's crazy. We've finished our first month. Hopefully, uh, you did the, uh, the the monthly reflection page at the end of last week, and um, either this morning in church or sometime this afternoon, you're going to uh, assess where you're at. Um, hopefully, if you were at church, you you uh, I'm guessing you did that around your table, or hopefully you got to that. But if not, just do an assessment to see where you are, to see if you're if you're at a, a good target, if you're shooting for a good target, if it's too much, if it's frustrating you, you might want to back that off, but that's all in the re- reflection page. So I encourage you to, there's a video I posted last week about that if you still have questions. But today, really quickly, I want to share with you something that apparently uh, the enemy doesn't want you to know, something that the enemy was uh, trying to keep from us. And uh, but I'm determined, determ- bound and determined that uh, that we're going to get this information because it's very important. But um, we have an enemy. I don't know if you know that, and that's kind of the focus of this week's uh, journey journey guide journey uh, discussion. Is that we have an enemy, an enemy who wants to destroy us, wants to keep us away from God's best in our lives. He wants us to keep us in rebellion because that's what he does. He's rebelling against God. He rebelled against God, got cast out of heaven. He's in a constant state of rebellion, and he wants us to also join him in that rebellion. And so our enemy is is at work against us doing everything within his power to keep us from Turning to God and following God, and uh, today uh, what we're doing, what we're doing is we're looking at this week some of the tactics of the enemy. And I've said before, if you've been around me for very long, one of the things that I, I discovered that the enemy has, has two primary tactics: ideas and isolation. Ideas and isolation. Um, he likes to get us isolated. He likes to get us off by ourselves, uh, where where we're susceptible. Doesn't mean we're necessarily weak in, in that moment, but we're by ourselves, so we're susceptible, and it's easier to be attacked when you're by yourself uh, as opposed to when you're with a group. So he wants to get us by ourselves, he wants to isolate us. And then he has some ideas, I think, that he likes to use and some tricks he likes to use with ideas. Now, there are two, two kind of idea, mental tricks, I think, this, that uh, the devil likes to play on us, Satan likes to play on us, and it's distraction and obsession. I think the huge, the, the huge tactic that Satan is using right now to come after the church is distraction. We are so distracted. That thing you're watching me on, probably most of you are watching me on your phones. That thing is is a primary distraction tool of Satan. It's something he uses to keep us distracted from God's best for our lives on a regular basis. That's why I encourage you to do a screen time audit. As, you know, at least check through your screen time use on your phone. What's your what's your average? Mine's about an hour. I try to keep it at around an hour. I don't want it to get well, you know, wacky and outside of that because that means I'm, I'm allowing myself to be influenced too much by this little device. 
what's your screen time usage at? Is it, is it off the charts? Uh, we should do the same thing with with our you know our other devices, our laptops, our TVs, that kind of thing. And we've already done that earlier in this ninety day journey. Sorry, I'm, I think I'm fighting a cold a little bit, so I've got my trusty dusty health drink Mountain Dew to help me through this. Um, if you're at church this morning, you also know I only got about an hour of sleep last night because I was mulling over this morning's sermon about Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, and the, the difficult passage that, that is. And uh, you can go listen to that on the podcast when it's up. But I think, uh, I think Satan's primary tool, primary tactic is ideas and distraction. I think, I think right now that's what I see more than anything. The average American is, is consuming 11 hours of media content per day. Day, not week, day. Consuming, we're in front of some kind of media producing device, 11 hours per day. Um, so it's very easy for us to be distracted. But that's not the only, the only form that he used. He also will get us to obsess over something. And I think this is where specifically um, worry and, uh, and regret start to come in. The, with distraction, I think that's where overwhelm and anxiety start to really hit at us as, as uh, followers of Jesus Christ. We start to get anxious and we start to get overwhelmed because there's just so much and it's so hard to keep up with everything that's going on in the world. And so we've got these little devices that are distracting us, making us go off in all these different directions and our, we're trying to keep up with everything. We've got 17,000 plates we're trying to spin and it's just not working. So we're anxious and we're overwhelmed. But another tool I think that Satan uses is obsession. He gets us to obsess about something. Maybe not be distracted by 10 million things, but uh, uh, irrationally focused on one. Irrationally focused on our past. You know, dwelling on our past and the mistakes that we've made and why we're never going to be good enough and we can never get into God's presence. And so you can never be good enough for God because of this, this, that, and that. You know, and so he gets us to obsess about that and, and think about that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Or he gets us to worry about tomorrow, gets us to worry about not having enough, worry about our future, worrying about if we're going to run out of resources, worrying about if we're going to have enough time, worrying about if we're going to get sick, if we're going to get cancer, if we're going to die. All of those things, Satan will get an idea going in your mind and then he can just kind of keep it working and just get you mulling it over and over and over again before... Too long, it becomes this this really dangerous idea in your mind. So those, I think, are two two primary tactics. We have a worksheet this week to kind of walk you through some some tools that, uh, if I if I if I understand how my my if you don't if you weren't at church um, on Sunday morning, you you didn't hear the story. But this when I was working on this on this uh, teaching on this device. This guide. Um, so I use Evernote for most of my writing. When I do most of my writing, the reason I use Evernote is because I, I've never had this problem. Um, I can write, and then it backs up to the cloud without. So I'm not really worried about losing something. So I've, I haven't used Word for years because you can lose stuff in Word pretty easily. But I was using Evernote, and just out of the blue, this has never happened. First time this ever happened to me in my life using Evernote. I was writing. I had I had lots of material already in there, and about half of my stuff just disappeared. Just boom, it was gone. So I went back, and I reworked it all. And at this point in time, I was 
copying. So, you know, I, I worked worked it all up and boom, lost it, lost about half of it again. Luckily, I had most of it copied. I just had a couple things I had to add in that time because I learned my lesson the first time. But uh, I would I would say that Satan doesn't want us to know this information. He does not want us to know that we are the masters of our own minds. That the only the only entity in all existence that we should allow to have control over my uh, our mind is the Holy Spirit. That's that's the only thing that exists that we're supposed to to render ourselves uh, to render control over to to turn control over to is the Holy Spirit. Nothing else. And right now, I think a lot of us have turned control of our minds over to a lot of things. A lot of things. That's not to say we need to get down on ourselves about it, but what we need, we need some tools. We need some tools to know how to deal with it. I know I'm setting a horrible example, drinking Mountain Dew and Yellow Five. You're not supposed to have all that. I know. I'm tired and my mouth is dry. But anyway, anyway, okay. I'm digressing. But uh, really need a co-host, really need someone to kind of talk back and forth to with this kind of stuff, really kind of bring some life to, to the discussion. But here are, here are I think, our six, I think, really important tools you can use to start to get control of your thoughts, to get your thought life back under control. Because you're, you, you might be really distracted, you might have a thought that's running out of control. And so these are some tactics that we can use to respond when we are dealing with mental anxiety, stress, worry, overwhelm, regret, all of those things. The first one is called cognitive diffusion. Not my idea. It's a psychiatrist uh, that's come up with it. Um, I don't remember their name. But uh, there's one guy. His name is Dr. Daniel Dan Siegel. S-I-E-G-E-L, and he, his, his tactic is name it and tame it, which is what we're going to uh, explain here in just a second. But cognitive diffusion is when you separate your thoughts, separate yourself from your thoughts and ideas from reality, right? So there's the real world that's actually happening, and then there's your thought world. And a lot of times our thought world becomes a really bad version of, of reality, and it's twisted. When, when, so we want to create cognitive diffusion, diffusion. When cognitive fusion, when we are fused with our thoughts, eventually we start to buy into them and obey them. So what we want to do is we want to defuse them, defuse ourselves from it, defuse the bomb before it goes off. So Dr. Uh, Dr. Dan's advice is to name it to tame it. And it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a bunch of stuff that he's boiled down into that idea where you name what's going on and by by see what happens with fear and anxiety and all those things that's your that's your base brain your brain stem and then the central part of your brain uh, that that controls a lot of your habitual automatic uh, behaviors has taken over it's taken something and it's kind of taken control of your of your mind and and so in different ways and and what by naming it, what you're doing is you're you're drawing on the other more rational parts of your brain, and you're pulling the more rational parts of your brain, your left brain and your right brain, into the process where you can actually pull it out of the loop that it's in and start to evaluate it realistically. So when you name something, um, when when you name something, when you give it a name, you're pulling other parts of your brain into 
uh, the problem, and so you can start to get it under control. So you name it. So um, like, oh, there's anxiety, or oh, there's fear, or oh, there's worry, or oh, there's regret, or uh, I guess my past is trying to creep in on my present again. The more specific you can get about naming something, the better chance you'll have at dealing with it rationally as opposed to emotionally or just letting it happen and, and work through your mind. So the question is, what are some recurring thoughts, ideas, and feelings that have successfully gotten your mind off track? What are some th- that, that kind of happen on a regular basis? Number two is to be an ant killer. This one I heard from uh, Jim Quick on the Quick Brain podcast, and I know it. I'm pretty sure it wasn't his idea, so a lot of people have shared it. An ant killer, automatic negative thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts. When you find yourself reacting to an automatic negative thought, then, then we have to kill like we have to kill them like stomping on ants right we kill them as quick as we can because we don't want them to to take control we need to kill that negative thought as quickly as possible um and we in our society are constantly bombarded with negativity so we need to be ant killers like like major ant killers right um this by the way is why uh we we know i've i've stopped listening to um Talk radio, conservative talk radio. I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh a lot. I'm sorry to say. I know that probably makes you judge me in certain ways. But I used to listen to him pretty regularly. I don't listen to him at all anymore. None. Why? Because he's negative. Because he's just, he's he's angry. He's always upset. And it was making me more upset. And it was creating more negativity in my life. And we also, uh, we made some changes to our dish subscription to get the bill down. And we lost Fox News. And it's been a great thing. We're not, we're not listening to people argue all the time. That does something to your mind. It really does. Um, I'll, I'll do a podcast on this on this not too too long, but your mind your mind gets addicted to that negativity, and then it starts to feed on the negativity and want more negativity and produce more negativity, and it starts to create negative effects in your life as a result of you taking in so much negativity. It's bad for you. Your your cortisol level in your brain goes up, and all of, a bunch of other things like that. So. When you have automatic negative thoughts, when, when, when you're thinking about a situation and the first response is a negative thought, we need to crush those as quickly as you can. So what are some of the, the top 40 ants in your life, the top 40 automatic negative thoughts that just come into your mind out of nowhere without even thinking about it? It's just automatic negative thoughts. Response tactic number three. The first one is cognitive diffusion. Second one is be an ant killer. Third one is stop the runaway train. Don't just let your mind run rampant. When it's when it's going out of control, don't just let it, right? So people, we, we our minds wander 46.9% of the time. We're daydreamers. We let our minds wander, and it might be our default mode. When it tends to wander, where does it go? Um, and I think a couple of tools for this are, one, creating a, a affirmative statements or affirmations. When you find your mind has wandered and there's a runaway train and it feels like it's taking you with it and you can't get control of it, having some affirmation statements about who you are, who you are in Christ or the journey you're on, so on and so forth, having some affirmative statements to help you with that is huge. Another huge one is meditation because what we are trying to do is discipline our minds. Second Timothy one seven says that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given a spirit of a sound and mind, a disciplined mind, right? Love. We've been given the spirit of love, but we've also been given the spirit of a sound mind. That sound mind is a disciplined mind, is what that actually means. 
So self-discipline. We need to have disciplined minds. Don't just let your mind run away from you, but actually have a disciplined approach to your thinking. And so have some affirmative statements and meditation actually helps you build more control, deeper levels of control into your mind. Number four, I'm trying to cruise through these as quick as I can. Come to your senses. This is a really simple, easy one anybody can do. If you find yourself on that runaway train, just do the practice coming to your senses. If you're overcome with worry, stress, anxiety, fear, something, any of those things, just stop for a minute and, and focus on what you can sense in reality. What can you smell? What can you see? What do you hear? What can you feel, right? What are some of those things that, that, are hap- that happen, that are going on around you in real life? And deal with those to help draw you back, to bring you back to real world thinking, right? So come to your senses. That's that's number four. Number five, interrogate the idea. Interrogate it. You know, bring it under the microscope. Interrogate it. Ask some questions of it. I like to use Philippians 4.8. Is the idea true? Is it based in truth? Is it is it noble? Is it a noble idea? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? Interrogate it. Ask, ask those questions of that idea. And if it's not, stop thinking about it. Come up with something else to think about. And a great practice is to have scripture memorized. So when your mind is running out of control on one of these ideas, you, you've decided, oh, I'm not going to dwell on this idea anymore. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to quote this scripture that I've memorized. Or I'm going to go read some scripture on this tactic. Number six is what I call, what's the infinite and, and finite approach. I think a, a lot of us still struggle from, from having a, a finite mentality, right? So uh, I, think, I think we as believers, we've been brought into the infinite realm of the kingdom of God, <clears throat> but we're still living in a lot of ways and an understanding of the world that's finite, Okay. God is infinite. God's kingdom is infinite, not just in duration, but in resource. So when you are in God's kingdom, you are in God's infinite resources, right? In his infinite provision. No, I'm not talking health and wealth. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But but we are a part of God's infinite kingdom. That means his resources towards you as his child are infinite, right? So you have infinite resources as God's child. But when we think about something, when we think about things from life, we tend to think about them from our finite experience, right? So we just, I think a simple question we can ask ourselves is, are we thinking about this in a finite way or an infinite way? A finite way or an infinite way? Am I thinking about this from God's perspective? Am I thinking about this from God's unlimited perspective, his infinite creation of resources? If I am, then then yeah, I'm thinking about it from God's unlimited way. I'm under God's umbrella, not my own, right? The, but our our tendency, I think, is to think of things from our finite point of view, our finite resources, and we can ask ourselves: Am I thinking about this from a finite perspective? Our our limited reserve of resources, right? You only got so much money in your bank account. You only have so much time. You only have so much energy. You only have so much capacity. That's a finite way of thinking where we're under our own umbrella and our own umbrellas are small. God's is huge, but ours tend to be small. So are you thinking infinitely or thinking with a finite mindset? 
So what areas of your life do you tend to think of in finite terms? Um, what are some ways you begin to re- reshape your approach of life into God's infinite approach? And then so there are some scriptures to read there. And then I've got some um, some lyrics from one of my favorite hymns, He Giveth More Grace. Uh, his love has no limits, his grace has no measure, his power has no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. God is a giver and he keeps on giving. He's always giving to his children. He's always giving grace. He's always giving love. He's always giving mercy. He's always providing for their needs. He's always wanting to flow things through our lives into the lives of other people. That's how God works. And so those, I think, are some some important tools that we can start to get into our toolbox. So when we're struggling mentally with with ideas or whatever that just won't go away, we can start to defeat them because the enemy wants to attack your mind. And if he can get to your mind and get you thinking, get your thinking off track and off course, then he's winning. And if he can get you isolated and mulling over one of his lies, then man, he's he's going to have a field day with us. But, but if we can surround ourselves with Christian community like we talked about, Last week, right? That was last week's focus. Having the right people, having friends and coaches in our lives as opposed to accomplices who are going to drag us down. But but if we have people in our lives, so we've dealt with the isolation and now we are dealing with the ideas, if we can, if we can have strategies and tools to deal with those two things, then the enemy's influence is going to be so minimal in our lives. And remember, the only thing that you should release control of your mind over to is the spirit, not anything else. Not your device, not your family, not your worry, not your anxiety, not your fear, but to the Holy Spirit. And the way we do that is by continuing to grow in our relationship with him. So that's it. That's it. 21 minutes. I apologize. A little bit longer than I intended. But that is the enemy. And uh, that's how we beat him. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. www.thejesushabit.com